Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. I think it was, what he did was historic and, and unbelievable, man. I, mean, I think people forget, you know, he was a rookie quarterback that was the last pick of the draft and came in, you know, midway through his season and then uh, had to get an elbow surgery in the offseason. So his real first year of starting in the NFL, um, he didn't throw a football until training camp to, to one of us. So it's pretty impressive what what he managed to do and then to be the MVP of our team was, you know, pretty incredible. Lucky he's on our team. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Those were the words of Christian McCaffrey, of course. Today, everybody's cleaning out their lockers, getting ready to go back to uh, golfing for the first time in months and uh, seeing their families for the first time in a while if they didn't make a trip to, uh, to, to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. And they're certainly not going to Disney. Definitely not. Uh, we, we got all the shots of Patrick Mahomes on television at Disneyland everywhere, in, even on CNN, sitting in front of the Magic Kingdom on CNN talking something. Oh, I know what it was. Total, total side tangent, CNN had asked Patrick Mahomes if he had believed or knew anything about the conspiracy of what uh, how political the Super Bowl was supposed to be. Or what I think the, the host called it the Biden Super Bowl. <laughs> he was asked about it. And, of mm. course, like, I don't, I don't know anything about that, obviously. Uh, but leave that as a stain after you win to have to go hear about conspiracy theories. Yikes. That's not fun. No. Anyway, um, you appreciate Brock Purdy because, as Christian McCaffrey shows, there's a perspective of how much he's actually done in the league. That's right. And I felt like Brock Purdy grew up. And, and I said that to myself after Sunday when I listened to him in the postgame presser basically say, I failed my team, which I felt awful about because Brock Purdy did not fail his no. team. That's that's not even true. No, I I appreciate him taking accountability and ownership being as a leader. That's right, being the the QB, the leader of that team. However, that not that loss was not on him. No, like not in the slightest. If um they don't muff that punt, mm-hmm. they might have won that game. If an extra point's not blocked. There, there are other things out there. He didn't turn the ball over. No. Mahomes turned the ball over more than he did. So from that game's perspective, there's really only one throw. There's only one throw, and that was the overthrow in the back of the end zone trying to hit Debo Samuel on that seam pass. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that I think, truthfully, anybody on the team would say he'd probably want that one back, have another chance at it. I'm However, sure Mahomes had one or two of those as well. And you know what? He got hit as he threw it. Right. So it wasn't like it was what they call in tennis an unforced error. Mm-hmm. It it was a, a tight throw. It would have needed to be dropped perfectly in the back of the end zone. And the honestly, the, the, the Chiefs grinded it out where it felt like the, the Niners kind of stagnated, if that's a word. Um, stagnated. Stagnated. I think it's stagnated. Okay. I'm I'm open to or, that. Yeah, better yet, correction. They were stagnant. There you go. They were stagnant <laughs> for the majority of that second half. Look, this is not the the reason why this show exists. No, we're we're not here to teach you uh, proper right. grammar. Uh, 
we, I thought we had a running list of words that I've made up on this show as well. <laughs> um, but we threw that list away. What one word that Brock Purdy should not make up when he's considering his performance as failure yeah. or letting his team down because that's just not even true. You know, I I was, I was about to say I I felt like I saw him grow up. And then I saw a photo of him today with his, uh, I think it was a Pro Bowl Games helmet, uh, having people on the team sign his Pro Bowl Games helmet, uh, including Christian McCaffrey, and I think Bosa did as well. It's like, oh, wait, (laughs) I forgot. This kid's still really young. Here he is getting autographs for his Pro Bowl Games helmet. Like a, what, a year and a half removed from college. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought that was kind of funny to see. But, you know, I'll go back to something I said earlier. Yesterday, where I felt like this wasn't wasn't a game where it was like, oh, they lost because of Purdy, or they, you know, there was nobody I would blame for a loss. Special teams does happen, but I'm not sitting here saying I blame Ray Ray McLeod, which by the way, it's not his fault either because it hit the leg of his up man before it got to him. Or I uh, I, I I blame the kicker. I felt like I just watched one team that was better, and for me, that's kind of where I sit on Purdy, where. Sure, his first half was better than his second half, but he didn't give the game away. Um, I felt the Chiefs defense made adjustments, and I felt like Purdy, for the young pup that he is, Hmm. held himself, uh, held his own in that game. I saw more of a leader. I saw a guy that, um, you know, managed to make a tough throw here, a tough throw there. And um, I feel a lot better about Purdy in this league after a loss than I did at any other point this year. That I I think that's high praise for a uh, for a Niners franchise that needs to know what its future is going to look like. And how rare is it that we see that level of accountability from a quarterback in this league, where otherwise the the, the league is just driven by egos mm. and deflecting the blame and getting lost in the confusion, like your former quarterback. Thanks. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, At least we didn't get lost in L's. There we go. Uh, okay. <laughs> and Josh's pettiness knows no bounds. No, it does not. There we go. No, it does not. Um, I, I meant to say it's refreshing <laughs> to see some character. It's refreshing to see uh, some maturity, even if you go a little bit too far, which yeah. we all, and I think Niner Nation would agree, we don't think you failed, man. No. no. It's just a, it's a, it's a bummer, and we're still sad. Um, one thing is for sure though, he's the starter of that team. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Like if there's ever someone going, ah, I wonder what Sam Darnold would have done. I wonder blah, 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 blah. No, he's your guy, man. That, that play in the NFC championship to, to get them a comeback victory in a high stakes moment at home against, uh, the lions that, that, that proved his merit as a player. And then but my guy didn't turn the ball over in the Super Bowl. Right. That's worth that's worth mentioning. And you're going up against a historically good Kansas City Chiefs and historically good quarterback. That that, that has to be considered. Um, I know we talked about it yesterday that I'm not throwing him in the goat conversation, right. but in um play in the in the the, the biggest of moments, the stars shine. Mm-hmm. And when you're going up against a bad dude, one of those BMF guys, right? You're going against one of those dudes, and you you throw anything at it other than perfection. 
it, it, it's like the greens at Augusta national. You're going to get lip outs all day long. So to, to me, he, he did enough that the Niners just weren't quite situationally perfect to get it done. That's all it was. I, you know, I think the bigger picture of this now is the Niners have been, let, let's face it, uh, ever since we found out that Brock Purdy could have played second fiddle to Tom Brady when, when Purdy let the cat out of the bag at the beginning of the playoffs, that we kind of, I, I kind of feel like the Niners have been toying around with that position for a little bit. And that Brock Purdy, and maybe this is to to benefit for him, um, to not ever feel like you can settle, hmm. that Brock Purdy can never feel like he is the guy because, hey, they were willing to throw Tom Brady in and make Purdy the, the number two guy. Um, you know, they toyed around Jimmy Garoppolo for a little bit uh, before they finally let him go. They brought in Sam Darnold as competition uh, behind Purdy. I mean, they've... They've done all these things that would make you doubt how much they value Brock Purdy. Um, this puts pressure now on the Niners front office because already they have to worry about all the contracts that they need to settle here in the offseason. Oh, yeah. They're going to have to figure out how much money they're willing to spend here in the offseason within the salary, salary caps. Cap. Who are they going to have to you know, make decisions decisions on negatively that could impact their chances of getting back here next year. The one thing that I hope the front office doesn't do, and and, and maybe this is even a Kyle Shanahan thing, um, stop toying around at that quarterback position. Stop putting feelers out at that position. I better not hear at any point in time, oh, the Niners are looking into Kirk Cousins. Dude. No. No. And I'll I'll just speak candidly. That that, that happened during the Cole McDonald, Chevin Cordero era. Mm Mm-hmm. When the, the minute Cole threw an interception, he felt like the, the coaching staff didn't have his back. And if that thought is in the back of your mind as a quarterback, it, it is a, a scary place to be. You, you, you no It's doubt. impossible to, to play free. Yeah, we you, see you guys on the phones, by the way, at 808-296-1420. You want your leader to be able to play courageously. Um, and... What what else can you ask this guy to do? Right. It it's not completely up to him. There's only and, one thing left you can ask him to do. That, and I and I'm saying it facetiously. He's yeah, and if there rim. if there's any okay, if if he went out there and threw five picks, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. The, the the fact that that's even a sniff of a conversation right now is um is not okay. I think it's it's a it's a conversation and I'll, I'll be honest nobody's having the conversation I am. Sure. Um I'm having that You're conversation. You're throwing it out hypothetically. Well, and, one, and not necessarily because of Purdy. Like I I'm using this as a this is the real test of the Niners now. And it's not necessarily just at quarterback. It's at every important position on that team. Um are you going to tinker around like this past year one of the reasons why they got to this point they made some key trades. Um, you know, they got Chase Young from Washington, you may yep. recall. Um, you know, they I don't want to say they did what the Rams did a couple of years ago when they went kind of all in, but they did some of the things during the year to kind of ensure that you know they would get to this point. Well, this they, season they would got not McCaffrey be lost. late in the year last year. That's right. That's right. Um, but that also means that you're willing to make moves. And sometimes um it's okay to not make moves. Sometimes it's it's better 
to ensure that what you have is good now. Take care of what you have now if you believe that that's going to get you to a championship next year. Uh, because if you tinker too much, Jerry, um, mm-hmm. if you tinker too much, you might actually make it worse. Uh, let's get John in here at 808-296-1420. Hi there, John. Yeah, you know what a move they shouldn't have done is trade for trade last. They would have got some first-round picks on this team and probably have won it. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I'll say about just about Purdy. I'm very impressed with him. I, you know, I think he'll get better and better and better. But just put it on a butt. But there is a window, and Cousins is a better quarterback. Like, the Chiefs loaded the box all night, unless it was – Obvious passing down, then then they played, you know, cover two. Other than that, they were loading the box and say, Purdy beat us. Like, and you watch when they played Tua. They didn't do that to Tua. They loaded the they, with, with Tua. They played cover two the whole time, even in run, even when it was short yardage. They said, no, you, Miami, you got to run on us. So with Purdy, the Chiefs didn't really, didn't really try to take him out. They said, you beat us. McCaffrey's not going to. So can Purdy do that? Can can Purdy beat them? Can beat a team? You know, if McCaffrey goes down, if they don't have all, of, you know, once once you start paying all of the free agents, the, the those wide receivers, can can Purdy beat you? I don't know. Cousins can. That's something to think about. Anyway, mm-hmm. you guys have a good day. Aloha. John, thank you for calling Thanks, in. Thanks, John. Um, he brings up a couple of really good points, and I think it's important to differentiate between the Vikings and the Niners because the, the, those are two completely different offenses with two completely different sets of personnel. Mm-hmm. The Vikings have um, maybe one of the best receivers in all of football, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. They also have one of the best tight ends passing tight ends in all of football. Um, they've suffered in the running game. The Niners have to account for giving Christian McCaffrey a certain amount of carries. They have to get him the rock. It almost feels like the passing game comes after the fact of letting McCaffrey do his thing. So I actually, I I hear what he's saying. I think that's actually a really good question. Who would you rather have, his cousins or Purdy? But Purdy doesn't have to go out there and win it on his arm because they have McCaffrey in their back pocket. So from the way that the offense is designed, um, no receiver on the Niners can hang with Justin Jefferson. No. Not even close. Not even even Samuel? Not even Debo? No. No, It's different. Uh, He he would be... Well, Debo's like a, a one of the best u- utility knives. You'll that's ever that's find. more what it is. He's okay. more like uh, uh, um, I'm trying to think of uh, Anquan Bolden. You, you remember him? I do. Uh, kind of m- more of a, a meteor, beefier uh, kind of a. Uh, I think utility. I like the utility knife. knife. It is. I mean, he. You throw it to him, and he's going to bounce off a couple of tackles. Uh, it's not the same as taking the top off. Um, with a vertical threat, extreme speed on the outside, and then start to get some vertical routes going. Mm-hmm. The the Niners operate on a little bit different style of an offense than that. So I, I think that's worth mentioning. Well, let me reiterate John's question. Um, and then I want to get to the window part when we come mm-hmm. back. But let me reiterate John's question because I think good uh, question. I, I, I may have – I may not agree with all of what he said, but there is one that I think is maybe what the Niners have to think about. Can Brock Purdy beat another team? 
if Christian McCaffrey's not in the game because he had a quad injury and he misses, let, let's let's play. We love hypotheticals. <laughs> let's say it's the third quarter of Super Bowl 58. Christian McCaffrey goes out with a quad injury. He's not able to return. George Kittle leaves the game uh, because uh, someone accidentally ripped his hair out. Not able to return. <laughs> Can Brock, nice. Can Brock Purdy step up and beat an opposing defense? Mm-hmm. Have, has that been proven yet? Yeah, I that's that that's that question and people said the same thing about it, it, it and we're all we're, we're all victims to the emotion. It felt like Mahomes went out there and did that on his own. Mm-hmm. However, the the guys are running crispy routes. They're they're well coached from the Chiefs. Uh Kelsey finds space better than honestly most receivers in the NFL. Yeah. That that's why he got that open on that drag route. Um in that that fourth quarter drive, and so I, I refuse to just say it's on one guy to go no, out there and, and do it. And no one's asking you to. He held on to the ball and did his thing enough, at least in that NFC Championship game, to come back. Yeah, and do his role to help them win. So I it I think it's left to kind of be discovered a little bit. I, I don't know if I'd quite go there. I, I was about to say. I mean, in one full year. I think you're afforded a little bit of time with him yeah. and what you have around him to say, well, maybe Purdy can't beat a team on his own right now. Because I, I, I don't think he can beat a team on his own at, at this point in time. But do you think he can with more seasoning? Do you think he can as he gets a little bit stronger and as he gets a little bit better? So w- with that question, my, my, my other thought goes directly to the salary cap because the Niners are living in a luxury land right now because he's still on his rookie contract and they're able to load the rest of the team with all of that extra salary space mm-hmm. that's not taken up by their quarterback. And so the minute you creep into that land, which you're going to in the near future, you're going to have to restructure where you div- deviate that money. So to, to me, w- what else do you want? Like uh, second year player, fair, like taken dead last in the draft. He's as good as that position with all of those attributes, mm-hmm. could possibly get in this moment. So I think what you're hinting on, and I agree with, he deserves more time to see if that that does come about. Yeah. The answer can be no, and still say, but still say he's still our guy. That's right. Um, if you have the right pieces around. I want to get to what John had mentioned about the window, because that seems to be like the phrase of the last few years. Mm-hmm. What is your championship window? Um, and I think the Niners are an interesting case. We've talked about it so much with Buffalo. I think we've mentioned it with Miami a little bit. Uh, what is the Niners window? We'll bring that up coming up uh, after this. Plus, uh, call the coach with Charlie Wade is coming up tonight, Ruby Tuesday, at the Moana Lua Shopping Center. It starts at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Tiff Wells and Coach Wade, all things Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Um, I don't know what random stuff's going to be thrown in there. But, hey, listen, enjoy it. Have fun. And if you missed the show, well, we'll have a replay tomorrow at noon uh, of Call the Coach here on ESPN Honolulu. Championship windows. We'll get into that on the other side of this. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center updates about six minutes away. Our text line, that's how you can get in touch with us at 808-296-1420. From the 381, 49ers have the best set of receivers and tight end in the NFL. 
hard to argue with that, right? I mean, I, I know what you were mentioning with what the Minnesota Vikings have. Just, I, it's not a not necessarily a comparison. And to I'm the not Niners. talking down on the Niners. Mm-hmm. It's it's more. I mean, you, we all saw the same game. They they looked to hand the ball off to McCaffrey before they looked to drop back and throw. Right. So from an offensive standpoint, they do things different. Yeah. That, that that's all I was. That's all I was saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the window. I, I think that's the fun conversation. Like let's let's use the example we talked about for probably a, a couple of months off and on on this show. The Buffalo Bills kind of felt like their window was closing. Like I, I felt like their window could very well have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if Stephon Diggs is going to be back. They're all, you know, doing the whole nicey nights thing with with Josh Allen saying, hey, "I love love Stephon Diggs." Blah blah blah. Stephon Diggs is kind of doing his own thing. Who knows if he's going to be back there? Um, but they were short this year, even though they they did win a division. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've extended their window. Um, it shrunk. Uh, you ask about Miami. Um, Miami's window may have a year left as long as Tua Tagovailoa is down to his final year of his contract. Um, how big is the Niners' window here? Because Purdy's going to be around for a little while longer. I can't expect anything major is going to happen with that offensive core. Um, so the window, I, I, I feel like, still has to be decently open, right? Definitely open. Uh, The bulk of their team is very young. They're um, still early in their overall football journey, especially some of those marquee positions that see a lot of uh, um, a lot of nicks and bruises. I think about Bosa. I think about McCaffrey. Um, Even uh, some of their, you know, receivers on the outside uh you know kittle i think kittle is like five years younger than kelsey Mm -hmm. um all of that is worth considering looking at a window and um you were talking about the buffalo bills window you know closing before the season and i didn't think they would go as deep as they did and yet there they were um I, I think the Niners have a strong nucleus to be able to build from here. Here's, I think a lot of it is the defensive side of the ball. Randy Gregory, $14 million. Um, so these are uh, these are some of the, uh, I think, unrestricted free agents, whether they want to re-sign some of these guys. Chase Young is worth $13 million, according to Sport Track. I think right now they pay him 8.6. Uh, Javon Kinlaw. Uh, defensive tackle is worth more than what he was paid recently. Hmm. You can go on down the line. So a lot of it is on the defensive side of the ball, which is honestly going to be as important as what they had uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You were at practice. We got to get our practice report in with you, Hunter Hughes. That's coming up next after Sports Center. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. I got to find that Brandon Ayuk audio that you just heard uh, Nick play on SportsCenter a moment ago. That's some uh, very, uh, very convincing I want to stay vibes. What is it going to take for you to stay here? Or what, what is it gonna, what, 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 what's important for you? Uh, a championship. Mm-hmm. Almost doesn't sound like he wants to be there is, uh, is what I took away from that. Hmm. Brandon Ayuk, by the way, as you heard Nick DeLuca say uh, at the end of his rookie deal, and uh, we were talking about, right, uh, decisions that the Niners have to make. And that would be one of them. A guy at the end of his rookie deal. There's your offensive uh, decision. What you do with those guys uh, could could be very important. But it 
it becomes a um, almost similar to like what the Patriots went through. Mm-hmm. You remember when Brady took less money so that they could continue to develop out the rest of their team in, in other places? I I wonder if the Niners are going to find themselves in a situation like that where to keep the championship hopes alive, you, you want as many of those pieces to remain there. Um, so it will be interesting where egos come into play and guys holding out for contracts and little mm-hmm. things like that. So it's it's convenient right now to say that the champ- championships are the most important. But we'll we'll uh, maybe need to check that receipt later. By the way, so the, the, the controversy around him is that he went on social media and so did his girlfriend and so did a friend. Um, now that the season is over and it seems like uh, there's a question about where he's going to be. So uh, Ayuk goes on Instagram and puts just a simple message. It says, and I quote, don't forget what got you there, close quote, with the uh, eyeball um, emoji. You know mm-hmm. what I'm like the eyes looking eyes one way. Side. I, yep. I, don't, I don't use emojis. <laughs> Ask anybody I know. I don't use emojis. Uh, Ayuk's girlfriend, Rochelle, and their brother talked about potentially not being there. So Rochelle on video says, and I quote, okay, this might have been the last day we touch foot on Levi Stadium, me and Braylon, who's their son, uh, because we might not be out here next season. And then the brother apparently posted something, uh, oh, uh, on Instagram, and his brother's also his best friend. This is the exact reason why we leaving San Francisco. Ugh. Thank you, 49ers, for drafting my brother. We are forget forever grateful. And then it says, B.A. to Vegas. And then the next thing says, why does your all-pro 1,300-yard receiver have three catches in the Super Bowl? Yeah. And by the way, if it's not your news, don't share it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that these people have going for them is that they have a famous brother. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you should be taking to t- social media to let his dirty laundry out of out of the bag because he hasn't announced that he's leaving yet. Well, right? he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, well, right now he's really teamless because he's a free agent free because agent. his rookie deal ended. But it doesn't mean that the team doesn't want to pick you back up again. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe keep bridges intact. It would be nice. See, this this is leading me to a parallel that I didn't think we'd get to. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I don't know if he was unhappy that he only had three catches in the Super Bowl. His family certain wasn't happy, or at least his best friend brother, um, with the eyeball emojis and mentioning only three catches in the Super Bowl. Um, they take it to social, and Brandon, of course, saying, don't forget what got you there, which tells me that's cryptic uh. for... Hey, forgot about me in the big game. Travis Kelsey doesn't... I was going to go there. Well, what's better? Him going to social media saying, don't forget what got you there, or chest bumping Shanahan? Oh, you mean uh, a read? Well, but basically in the 49ers case, he would be going up Mm. and chesting Shanahan the way that Travis Kelsey did to Andy Reid. Can I just say none of the above? Dude. Both are not okay. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say that one is better than the other because A, I don't condone making contact with a uh with an old man. 
I don't condone making contact with uh, your boss in that way. Um, but I also don't condone this passive aggressiveness blank, yep. uh, which is going on social media. Look, look, I don't have a problem if you feel like you're being underutilized and say, hey, coach, I think I should be in the game. I think I can be used in this way. You know, something um, that actually helps the team win. Like, hey, I can be used this way. Use me here. I can get help get us in the end zone. I can help us win. Not bleepity bleepity bleep. Why am I not in the game? Shove Andy Reid. Bleepity bleepity bleep. Walk off and have to have someone restrain me and take Yelling. me to the bench or I'm sulking for the next That's couple right. of minutes and caught on camera. Yelling bleepity, in bleepity, his face. Bleep. Yeah. He's a kid. He's never had to mature. Nope. M- most of these guys have never had to mature. Um, the, 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 I promise this has a point. The, the greatest, I believe okay, you. <laughs> the, the greatest football team in the history of Chicago was the 85 Bears. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know who didn't score a touchdown in that Super Bowl? Remind me. Walter Payton. 100% the reason why they were in that Super Bowl, besides that defense, 34. He didn't say a thing. Okay, there's also a, a famous saying out there, what's understood doesn't need to be discussed. Allow things to settle. And I bet Shanahan gives you a call. Man, we should have got you the ball. We can't wait to re-sign you in the offseason. Give, give your family the best. We love you, bro. Talk to you later, Ayuk. Same thing for Reed. You don't think those guys are watching the film today? Or it was probably yesterday. Um, yeah, because tomorrow they're getting ready for the parade. Yeah. They're, they're, get, they're sobering up now to get hammered on the parade route tomorrow. The I almost think that the Kelsey thing is bigger than going to social media. In, I agree. In, 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 a, in a worse way. Because that communicates to the entire team that Kelsey is above the rules. Which is already felt. I'm sure if you're on the Chiefs. I'd love to talk to Marcus Kemp about this and his time on the Chiefs, and I'm sure it's this this way. You can't touch 87, and you can't touch 15. You see guys on the phones who gets you here shortly. And within that dynamic, those guys are above the understood coach-to-player authority system. The minute you go and bump the head coach like that, you have subverted his authority and pitched a fit like a little kid mm-hmm. that you're not getting the ball. To, to me, th- th- that speaks louder about the, the authority complexes within the football team that, to me, have to always stay intact for the thing to work. So the, I, I, that's why I think that's, that's a little louder. And by the way, credit Andy Reid. Because Andy oh, Reid was he asked protected about his it. guy. Oh, yeah. And he basically said it's kind of like the culture where, you know, things can, can get a little heated, but it's not anything personal or anything like that. I mean, he did have to answer the question in front of his wife uh, on the CBS set after the game. And mm. I think he did on, uh, on on NFL primetime as well. But, yeah, he, I mean, he basically just – Andy Reid's not a confrontational guy. No. Um, his mustache is confrontational to the eyes and his facial skin. He'll um, confront some burgers, though. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's not a confrontational guy. Um, and that's probably why the culture there in Kansas City can – you know, sometimes you can um, play off of that kind of heat in the moment of It works uh, as long conflict. as they're winning. Correct. 
Um, I still don't believe in showing up your coach, which is exactly what it was. That's right. Um, but, you know, when, when you have a coach who uh, kind of shakes it off like he did, um, you know, it, it it probably gives some respect that Kelsey, probably some of his teammates are like, hey, you know, don't do it again. And maybe it won't happen again. I feel like some of those guys that pulled him away and then just kind of left him alone and didn't, like, you know, bother him kind of made a point, hey, not okay. Don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say hi to Harlan, uh, who's calling in at 808-296-1420. What's up, Harlan? Hey, um, I just wanted to say, if you're going to pattern yourself after anybody, why not pattern yourself pattern yourself after the GOAT? You never heard any of this garbage about only three catches or keep me in the game by Jerry Rice. And on top of that, it's like get open. If you get open, they're going to throw you the ball. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically that. It's like check your ego at the door and contribute. That's it. Thank you, Harlan. And, and you know, I was thinking along those lines too. Harlan, preach it's, it's it's not just that, but sometimes there are defenses that actually you know plan on shutting you out of the game, and they do a really good job of that. You could you could be just lucky that you had three catches in the first place before Pacheco fumbled the ball when Mahomes was trying to get guys open in in the uh, the end zone, and they ultimately uh, later had to settle for a field goal. Kelsey was covered. Yes. That's not on Andy Reid. No. Cry me a river, bro. And guess what they did? They adjusted what they did offensively in the second half. They got Kelsey out in the flats. They found him in space. And after that tough first half, Kelsey was a game changer in half number two and in OT. Do you know they started running triple option? I, I saw that, yes. Yeah, so they, they would fake the run. Not the old school kind. No, no, no. It was an abbreviated one. Yeah. So they, they would fake the run to Pacheco. Um, Mahomes would start to run into where the slot would be. And then that outside linebacker is put in a bind because he's either going to do a little shovel pass to um, to uh, Travis Kelsey or Mahomes is going to run. So th- those plays when Mahomes just took off running, it was because it was an abbreviated triple option. Right. They were not doing that in the first half. And that's why. That's why the Chiefs coaching staff is as good as they are. That's why Andy Reid, who I think calls the plays, is as good as he is. And – it's it's also a, a really big moment right here where they have either prepared for that, they've practiced that, and they're able to implement it on the fly right. because Mahomes knows how to do that. Right. Not, not every QB can go from being a pocket guy to now we're running triple option. That, that there are so many little intangibles to be able to accomplish that. Um, at a moment's notice that that's why those guys are so good. By the way, um, some guys have the latitude to go on social media and puff their chest out when um, they don't feel like they got what they wanted. Brandon Ayuk, here's a message. And if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I think I can do better. So I probably let him go into free agency and see who's willing to pay him X amount of dollars. You're, You're not Debo. So you're not the number one wide receiver. Juwan Jennings had a better game than you did. Dude, Jennings had a huge game. And and I actually had Juwan Jennings as my MVP vote before, you know, Mahomes Mahomes did. Um, Kittle's much more of an offensive factor than you are. Christian McCaffrey's much Certainly. more of an offensive factor than you are. Um, I just rattled off four guys. Then there's your quarterback, Purdy. So after those five, yeah. 
Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk then Number six. is the next important. And, and I, I, I may be stretching a little bit, but you're not one, two, three in the pecking order. Shut it. Yep. Don't go on social and be like, oh, don't forget what got you there. I, I get he's got the yardage. Yardage doesn't necessarily mean you were that important. You may have gotten some of that. I remember there there was uh, you know Debo's injury for a little bit, but some teams they they cover Debo, then there's you. You know, and you're and, and you are the beneficiary of a team trying to shut down one of the best, you know, dual playmakers in the game. And you're sitting there as the guy who can get all the results from that. It's the same thing that happened with Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Him popping off on I'm not getting the love over here, not getting the ball, like not going my way. But and he then, can get a pass, though. He can, but, uh, but I, because he's a number one target. Except when you drop the single <laughs> biggest pass <laughs> yeah, of the season. Yeah, yeah. If you don't immediately then come out and say that one's on me, I've got an issue with that. Mm-hmm. As a former player, you can pop off all you want to as long as then you take accountability when you don't hold up your end of the bargain. Right. And it's not like Ayuk was completely open running down the middle of the field and they neglected to throw him the football. No. The game plan just didn't happen to go in your favor, dude. And by the way, there's 11 guys in the field at one time. That's right. I I can't stand egos like this. Yeah. Unfortunately, you kind of have to get used to it a little bit. Uh, let's get our M. Dyer Global scoreboard in here. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. A bunch of college basketball uh, from the top 25. Number 16, Dayton's up on Duquesne, 59-57, 520 to go. That's on ESPN+. 14th-ranked Illinois leading Michigan, 88-54. Ouch, 420 to go there. 23rd-ranked Indiana State's up on Illinois. No, they're trailing Illinois State, 65-55, 349 to go there. So there's a, a potential upset. Also, uh, the Wahoos, Virginia, 21st-ranked in the nation, down at home against Pitt, 70-59, 143 to go. Uh, that's on the ACC Network. One game we're actually watching here, number 7, North Carolina, trailing at Syracuse, 71-67, 337 to play. That's on ESPN television. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard. M. Dyer Global always on the move. I promise Hawaii football practice report. And I hear there were some legends in the house today. It's ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, a uh, practice report from the University of Hawaii today from our uh, practice correspondent, Hunter Hughes, who just uh, also happens to be the co-host for this show. Uh, But first, I didn't know this. Um, I I didn't know the backstory of Pop-Tarts. And, and, you know, we don't talk about Pop-Tarts very often, but Pop-Tarts found its way into sports with the Pop-Tarts Bowl. No one was ready for that zag, by the way. That that was a heck of a zag. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I I can't zag in real life, but I can with words. Anyway, (laughs) um, so, you know, we've all let the sports world enter the Pop-Tarts world because of the bowl. And then, you know, we we find out they're they're doing the edible Pop-Tart and that... To me, honestly, the edible Pop-Tart thing was a little overrated because it was a little more show and uh, not as much practicality. Um, but I learned today that uh, the, the, in, in the last five minutes, the uh, story of how the Pop-Tart was created. And the only reason I know that is because the inventor of the Pop-Tart died. Um, he was 96 years old. His name, uh, he was from Grand Rapids, Michigan. His name was 
William Bill Post. Hmm. We may not have ever gotten the Pop-Tart if not for somebody deciding that, you know what, we shouldn't sell something called Fruit Scones. He's the real MVP. Yes. Well, it wasn't him named it. I think they had uh, you know, a whole bunch of people that decided and said, Fruit Scones, not marketable. Pop-Tarts, marketable. His urn should look like a toaster. Is that too soon? Way too soon. Okay. Way too soon. So what happened was Kellogg's came over. He was working at Keebler. Kellogg said, hey, create a breakfast food for the toaster. Then they they called it fruit scones, later became Pop-Tarts, was test marketed in Cleveland back in 1963, and that is when Pop-Tarts took off. And it also um, helped the guy get into corporate at Keebler. Okay. Yeah, he became a senior vice president and got to retire at the age of 56. Good for him. I know. Good for him. Um, and you know what? I would suggest that we no longer do the edible Pop-Tart thing at the next Pop-Tarts Bowl. Mm. I, I think I, I think we're good with one year of... Or just give everybody Pop-Tarts, man. I promise you, that entire team would eat all of them. Oh, yeah. Both teams. And you know what? Pop- They're starving. Go to the grocery store. Pop-Tarts are not cheap anymore. I'm sure you give every player a box of eight, they will hoard that with their lives mm-hmm. if they don't have an NIL deal that's worth cash. Uh, then, because, big, then big boys take a couple of them boxes, too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, the testing in Cleveland reminded me. I, I, me and my brother got to try um, the new Hershey Kisses when we visited Hershey Chocolate World. The new ones. There were there were old ones. Well, it was just like it was a new recipe. Oh, okay. And we fit their target age demographic, and so we got to go in this like back room, and uh, and Wait, try what, try what the Hershey kisses. Um, I think I was thirteen. He was eleven. I would not have thought that the age demographic for Hershey's kisses would be somewhere between ten and fifteen. All I know was, I was selected. Especially because some kids' ages, especially eleven and thirteen, haven't kissed anybody yet. Maybe you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to uh, kiss and tell over uh, here. You're right. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Some folks Thanks. are a bit Thanks. more adventurous Thanks. at 13. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know more about me than I thought you did. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, mononucleosis probably didn't come around for those at ages 11 or 13. Um, actually, I did get that, but it wasn't because of kissing. Oh, no. I don't know how I got it, but it ended up affecting my ability to play basketball. Oof. Because it was like, well, you, uh, we have to limit your minutes on how much you can play because you've got this. Uh, I could only play one minute a game. Ouch. I know. It was such a waste of time. At 13? I don't know if it was 13. It was it was somewhere in that age range of Josh apparently who Hershey's Kisses was uh, was geared towards. Hmm. I don't know. All right. <laughs> we're deep in some sauce, which I, I didn't realize we were headed for. Oh, there. Yeah, I there, love it, though. There, there are some things. Yes. Um, practice. How about practice? Uh, there are some legends at practice today. There were. Um, so 
it's not unusual to see uh, Coach Rich Miano out there, uh-huh. uh, but he was certainly out there today. It's unusual to see a smile from Rich Miano in photos. That is a growing, <laughs> a, 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 a growing thing. Uh, uh, Coach Rich uh, is a person. Love, love him, love by the way. Coach Rich. Uh, yeah, I think he just, uh, he's also a talker and I think he doesn't know when they're taking the picture or not. Yeah. And, so. and if you want to, if you want to blame anybody for this coming up on this radio show, blame Jeff Reinbold <laughs> because he posted the photo. He posted the photo and you know, n- next to them is, uh, is Dennis McKnight. So, now an advisor. Now an advisor, um, which I'm sure we'll break into a little bit more of kind of what that looks like. Um, cause him and, uh, I believe one other are, uh, consultants uh, on the team right now in in light of Coach Sapolu and Coach Yoro uh, kind of moving on to uh, um, new new jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I know we've, we're coming up on a break right here, but uh, we've uh, it's a lot of good stuff. It, it was an exciting practice today, and, uh, yeah, can't wait to get into it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do that again coming up in, let's say, about 20 minutes. Cool. Because uh, I want to get to something else, too. We, we talked about the coaching stuff yesterday, um, and maybe if it's something that makes you think twice about having spring ball this early mm. um, you know, with some of the coaching changes and how it might affect things. So we'll do that coming up. Uh, but on the way next, was there a locker room code violated? That's up. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. I was a little puzzled uh, in the fact that that the players would even say something like that um, after the game. That was kind of bothersome. There's a, you know, there's all this this hidden, not hidden rule, but this 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 understanding that we understand, especially in locker rooms and in your facility. What we do here, what we say here, stays here when we leave here. And um, to come out after a game, uh, that was a really good game, actually. Uh, to say that, that was a little bit, um, just as a former player and as a coach that's been in that league forever, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel real good about uh, how the players were, were talking about this situation. Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. That was Herm Edwards last night on game night here on ESPN Honolulu. You know, he's talking about the overtime thing and how we learned from some San Francisco 49ers players that they weren't really prepared um, for overtime. And it's funny because, you know, when I was initially thinking about the overtime thing, I thought, you know, okay, cool. Um, They're being honest. And I do appreciate honesty to a degree of learning. Oh, you guys weren't prepared. Um... That's very, you know, in, in, in the heat of the moment of losing, you know, I, I appreciate the, the candor. Um, but then I, when I heard Herm Edwards last night, I thought, you know what, that's a really true point. Like, is there more harm than good being done because you've put that out there for everybody to hear? And, and I think that's kind of changed my tune on, on how I feel about this whole overtime Niners controversy that maybe that really shouldn't have come out. Totally. There's a certain sanctity to the locker room where anything can happen. Anything's uh, allowed to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a closed environment. It's meant to, to be a vacuum. And depending on style of coaching, intention, it's supposed to be a little family. And... You don't want to throw your family members under the bus. Right. Especially after defeat. Um, 
that to me speaks just a little bit louder and and makes me wonder like well, why 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 not just give minimal answers and uh, the, you know what before i go there the reason why they they spoke out is because they're all in pain mm-hmm. it's because the 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 grief of the moment and devastation disappointment is so great that they're emotion was bigger than the self-control of, you know what, we're going to separate that. We're going to reassess everything. Um, maturity kind of gets thrown to the wind when you're, when you're in that level of disappointment. So I, I'm not condoning it, but I, I understand that there was a lot of forces at play. You know, what's interesting about it too, is that Kyle Shanahan <clears throat> actually did go through an overtime plan. Although there's kind of a problem with the plan. So he, um, you know, he had said today that he sat down with the analytics staff mm. and went through potential scenarios uh, before the playoffs started. He also, and this is important, instructed his assistant coaches to let the team know before the overtime period started, but did not feel the need to discuss that plan with his team before that point. Mm. And we can debate that part of whether the preparation was done correctly because it does sound like um maybe there was an effort for some kind of preparation i believe it's very flawed but we can we can get to that point here in a moment but we had this conversation before the show um these players put Kyle Shanahan in a really bad spot. Yeah. He's already been tagged by some, and we can debate this later. I don't know if there's a debate or not. Um, the new Andy Reid. Mm. Because um, he can get there. At one point, Andy Reid couldn't win the big game. He's, he becomes a member of the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff, and look at him. He's winning every big game pretty much. Um, Kyle Shanahan, now being in a few Super Bowls, losing to Kansas City twice. Uh, is starting to get that label fairly or unfairly as someone who can't win the big game. And it's one thing to be outcoached. Happens all the time. It happens to the best of them. You're not going to outcoach every team, every other coach, every game. Some coaches on any given day are just better. And it happens. Happens to be that Andy Reid is better than most coaches on almost every day of the week. Hmm except for September and October of this year. Um, That is fine. It's not fine if your preparation isn't there. Then it is easy to go and say, well, what are you doing? What What are you preparing for if you're not prepared for this? If you just got beat by a better coach, we can live with it. If you got beat because you didn't do everything you could prior to game day, then that's not something we can live with. And, uh, and, and I feel like that's what the players did to him. Whether they recognize it or not, they put him in a position to make him look like someone who is unprepared even in what would ultimately be the most important of details. Now, I think now's the appropriate time to jump over and focus on something that he said. Mm-hmm. If he said that he gave the responsibility to the assistant coaches, the position coaches to... Uh, in a sense, relay that information to their their respective players. I understand that. That's how a lot of the NFL works. It goes from head coach to assistant coaches, assistant coaches to players. There's rarely ever head coach to player. College football in some ways is like that as well. Yeah. Um, 
There's an issue there. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. There's a great deal of trust being put on that that information being communicated, one, communicated period, and then two, communicated correctly and, and uh, effectively that then can be implemented. Mm-hmm. So I used to love when we would talk through time management situations as an entire team. Uh, R- Rolo did it on several occasions where he would bring it up in front of the entire room in a full team meeting. And it was a, a football IQ discussion. And he, he would ask different people in the room and you either really wanted to be called on if you knew the answer and then you didn't want to be called on if you didn't know the answer. Yeah. It's, it's an exposing but a learning opportunity. And that to me uh, speaks pretty loud that um, I don't think he meant for it to sound like he's uh, sidestepping, but that seems a bit like a sidestep right Kinda. there, especially when your players didn't get the information. So whether it was your um, your fault or not, I'd rather he took a page out of Brock Purdy's book right there and said, you know what, the buck stops with me. Yeah, I'm the head coach. So like uh, any way you slice it, my players felt like they weren't prepared, and that's on me. Uh couple of uh, of responses to it um kyle shanahan saying we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss to review everyone to make sure they are sure before we go out so we asked position coaches to do that but i didn't cover it in a meeting on the super bowl week i don't think that changes anything uh yeah it does brock purdy said he explained the rules to uh, brian greasy who's the quarterback there you coach, go explain the rules to him and everything so Purdy had an understanding. Of All right, it. his assistant coach did it. Yes, his did. The uh, the fullbacks assistant coach <laughs> didn't get it to uh, uh, to their fullback. You know, this is where I don't know if it's preparation or if it's proper preparation or if it is um, prioritizing certain things. Like I I can immediately see the hole or holes. In this argument, and I see you guys on the phones at 808-296-1420. We'll bring you in here in a minute. Um, the first problem is he sat down with analytics. Um, and, and, well, that's not the problem. The problem really was you got to have your assistant coaches in the ears of your players, not the day of the game, hmm. not going into overtime, but... You got to do it way beforehand. You got to do it for weeks, you know, leading up to that. You you did what you thought you had to do, um, you know, in, in, in order to make sure that you had your analytics people in. Okay. Um, but your players have to execute. And the other problem with that is, is that you are expecting at that point that your players can just, oh, you're telling them now? Okay, they can go out That's right. and on a on the fly handle it. On, when, on, on a brand, it's not just a tweak to a rule. We're mm-hmm. talking about borderline brand new sport in, right. in the way that overtime is being played now. Right, right. Absolutely deserved uh, a workshopping sort of discussion yeah. where we can talk through scenarios here because a whole new world of 
uh, scenarios are brought up because of this. I've, yeah. I've heard the, a critique being made that if you win the coin toss, it, it's um, Chris Jones uh, in in some comments said that it's crazy that they took the ball in right. that scenario. Right. You know, some would say you defer no matter what, like a brand new game, and then you know what you have to work with. That's right, in your possession. So. The, the, all of that is brand new playbook kind of football thinking that it's it's bigger than just, yeah, they're, they're going to figure it out on the fly here. It tells to me that maybe uh, – hmm. it, well, it sounds to me like at least there was some intention to be aware of it, but the priority of making sure the right people were aware of it in the right amount of time was not handled correctly. Um, that other things were prioritized where, honestly, minute details can be the most important, and you got to have them. Got to have them. Well, yeah. and uh, Did the, you? Because Mike, or not Mike, Kyle doesn't go out for the coin toss. No. Kyle Shanahan doesn't. His his uh, his captains do. They have to make that decision. Pretty sure it was Warner in overtime. Yeah. And so um, you got to make that decision. They have to know what it is you want them to do. To, to me, the lack of urgency tells me that they maybe didn't fully understand the rule. Mm-hmm. Because if if they knew the 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 full uh the full exposure of what this would bring to their their team if they found themselves in this situation, they absolutely would have prepared for it. Right. I did I didn't know the rule even after reading it. Yeah, I, it's funny. I actually had a conversation with someone today when I was at a UH baseball uh, media gathering with someone from KITV, not going to name names, um, <laughs> but we were actually talking about the rule. And it was funny because the same conversation that you and I had yeah. about what would happen at the end of the first overtime was the same conversation that we had today. And they thought that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when I explained it out, they're like, Oh, so that's what that means. Well, yeah. That's what, that's what that means. Um, so you can just imagine how many players kind of thought that same thing as, as that was going along. I mean, um, I almost would have loved for the NFL in a situation like this to have like a 30-second-long a animated explainer. Maybe SpongeBob SquarePants could so, be the explainer. <laughs> just, just like, a, uh, um, like an infographic. Running through a couple of scenarios right now. Hey, those normal overtime rules that you're all used to, they're not being they're not in play anymore. Right. This is what we're gonna do. Because you the majority of America, and by our, our calculations, two thirds of the American population That's right. That was watching the game probably didn't know the overtime rules as well. That's correct. Thank God the Chiefs scored. Yeah. Um you know, I, I, you know, the leagues do come out with videos, you know, rules, um, and points of emphasis. College does. I mean, we, we watch the officials videos uh, before the, the, the year starts. Thank you, George. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, they don't like they don't have like an email blast to every player in the league. No. So, again, it comes down to your coaches. Um, you have the information, how you disseminate the information um, is what ultimately kind of determines uh, sometimes how prepared you can be for a game. Yeah, Timmy usually brings in a couple um, officials from the NCAA to talk through new rule changes mm-hmm. uh, in fall camp so that the players can talk it through. And 
that's an awful big leap for Shanahan to think, oh, my assistants will just handle that. Yeah. Because you know what they're worried about? Each one of those assistants making sure their position group knows what they need to know to be able to win right. from, a skin, from a schematic standpoint. The fact that Greasy thought enough to then give that information out to his QB is, is huge. Yeah. To me, that, that, that's bigger. This is... Um, yeah, one assistant who did his job. Bro, th- th- this is as high level as it gets, football operations, that this is timeouts, this is clock management, this is uh, your your whole team being on the same page for something. That is head coach responsibility Absolutely. right there. And you can and you can have it in, in the different you know meeting rooms beforehand, but the head coach should be in every one no, of those meeting rooms. Him, oh, which I'm just going to tell you right now, it doesn't happen like that. Okay. That's why that has to be community. No, this is a bigger head coaching thing, and that that is a hundred percent on him. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, does this change the narrative on him? We'll come back to that in about uh, fifteen minutes. We'll get traffic here. Uh, we'll get to uh, Rainbow Warriors spring practice. Uh, outside of just the names who showed up and Rich Miano's smile, uh, we'll go through some of the things that uh, that you paid attention to here over the course of the day, and uh, the impacts of spring practice being when it is. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. You like you said things are so mean. Mm-hmm. Then I tell me say I things are down me. Texter from the 781. Ryan Greasy deserves a raise. Amen. It must be great to have a coaching job that is only responsible for two or three guys. And do his job correctly, apparently. Um, one other thing on that before we go to, to, to spring ball for the whole, uh, oh, uh, who did he communicate with, blah, blah, blah. This is a second year of the rules. I would hope that you worked on it last year. And I would hope that would have carried over into this year because uh, this is not the first time the rules are in. It's just the first time they're implemented. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, that it, the the delegation of that and the unawareness of it, it still does kind of hurt a little bit more. I think it hurts the reputation of maybe not Kyle Shanahan's ability to coach, but his uh, ability to delegate important functions of the game to the right people at the right time, which can be just as important as winning. I have an issue with what he said. Mm -hmm. Him kind of deflecting blame and saying that he gave it to his assistant coaches. Yeah. Yeah. You like that's throwing your assistants under the bus. Except for Brian Greasy. I'm I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yes. But dude, not everyone on your team knew you're the head coach. That's on you. Like, yeah. even though Purdy didn't fail, he acted as if he did. I I think Shanahan needs to take more accountability there. He'll learn. Mm-hmm. Or he, he, he better learn. Um, let's get to uh, UH Spring Practice. You were there. You mm-hmm. mentioned um, there were some important people there. You were kind of delving into that a little bit. Um, any other highlights before we get to the other you know spring calendar conversation? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, Dennis McKnight uh, was there. He coached with... All those guys during the June Jones era, um, and as well as uh, um, Derek uh, Faavi, uh, he was out there as well today. Um, practice felt different today, um, mainly because Dennis McKnight is a fireball, mm-hmm. and we were. I was joking with several of the players, like I don't know much. You don't mess with that guy. 
You do not mess with that guy. He is large, he's in charge, and he will let you know if you mess up. And uh, was kind of lighting a fire under the under that offensive line. Um, the interesting thing, though, because he's only going to be here for a couple of weeks and he's brand new, I, I wondered how some of the players were kind of just reacting and responding to a brand new coach in this quote-unquote family in the middle of spring ball and having him coach the way that he was. Um, it wasn't, you know, coming down on anybody, but it, there was a certain intensity that I don't know if he had earned that uh, relational equity yet to be able to communicate to them in that that capacity. So some of the guys didn't even know who he was. Ooh. And I think that's just because of the situation. The, the coach is just pieced out. Um, and the new one's in here, uh, at least consulting and helping on an interim basis. But still, the, the part about not knowing who some of these guys are kind of kind of leads me to think that maybe something could have been done a little bit better to, to, to make sure that before, perhaps, you know, it, it was a quick transition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What can you do to stem that? I, I think is, is, is ultimately important. Uh, yeah. We'll get more on spring ball uh, coming up here after sports center traffic here. ESPN Honolulu. Hey, coming up, we've got uh, Rainbow Warrior baseball tickets. We've got uh, Hawaii Rainbow Wahine basketball tickets coming up for uh, Thursday night against Cal Poly. We've got plenty to do here over the next uh, 90 minutes of this program. Uh, we'll get back to spring practice in just a moment because I, I have, I don't know if it's a hypothetical, it's not a hypothetical question, um, but it is timing. And if we're paying attention to the college football now, um, how much does timing matter when we're talking about like when you have spring practice? And there was a, mm. a, a post today that kind of made me think about this, and I'll, I'll share it with you here in a moment. Uh, texter from the 381 via our text line, uh, going back to the big game, we've been talking about overtime, right? Yeah. Texter still says it's on the defense. They let Mahomes go eight for eight passing and run for over 30 yards, which is inexcusable. Sure. Yep. Um. But you know what? How much of it is on defense? How much of it is Mahomes just being Mahomes? At some point, he's going to go out and get his. The thing is, like, the overtime, surely, the, the, the overtime conversation is not as much about wins and losses. It's more about uh, how much preparation did preparation. you do for the game? Yep. Or did you do the right preparation? And you want to put your position, your players in a position to win. And And not only that, but is this kind of foretelling about whether you are in a future big game. Um, as much as we've talked about whether Kyle Shanahan has earned the old Andy Reid moniker, like, does this give you the belief that, let's say if you're a 49ers fan, that down the road, Kyle Shanahan's going to be better prepared, that um, this won't be a problem, and that his team can kind of get over uh, what has been you know, a couple of tough losses in big games, games in which they've led, um, they'll improve that day. Hey, can win at the in- incredibly highest level because this is the stuff that makes people pause for a moment, whether it's fair or not. And honestly, I don't think it's fair, but it, this, I mean, not yet at least, but this does leave a little bit of, of, of doubt creeping in my mind over it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what one thing's for sure. The, the Niners know how to win games. Yeah. There's a different level of preparation 
and uh, adjustments and execution required to win the big game. Just look at the the Chiefs where it felt like the Niners were in the driver's seat of that game and Mm -hmm. then found themselves handing the ball literally over to Mahomes late in that game and allowing him to make the decision. You don't want that to happen. So from a schematic handling of the clock, uh, preparation standpoint, I I don't know. I I can't help but think about a guy like Belichick, right? He would do everything in his power to put – as little time on the clock left so that Mahomes wouldn't be able to do what they allowed Mahomes to do pretty pretty much without consequence. They they gave him the ball back with around two minutes left in fourth quarter. Uh, They... They grabbed the ball first in overtime, which, you know, in the new overtime rules, you probably want to kick the ball mm-hmm. so that you know what you have to go and do. Yeah. There, there's an advantage in going second. Um, I don't know. It, it, I think it's still steep to make some extreme uh, sayings like he doesn't have what it takes to win the big game. Uh, he is over two, though. He is. And. Unfortunately, losses speak sometimes louder than wins. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. You can uh, text us at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. The other part of that bite that we played at the top, I do want to get to a little bit later on, is the um, the, the locker room code, and I want to try to get your experience on that uh, coming up uh, a little bit later on. But I want to get back to spring practice. I was I was looking at a, a post from Chris Vanini today from The Athletic. And, you know, who incorrectly noted, and I'll, and I'll read his uh, post here, college football is back. <laughs> Appalachian State opened spring practice today, to which I, I guess uh, either nobody communicated to the college football world. Um, I just forgot that we're part of the union as yeah, well. Yeah, and then, well, and then he came back with a correction, said college football has been back since January 29th with Hawaii spring practice, which is the earliest I've ever seen. There you go. So thank you, Chris. Um, it's the earliest I've ever seen two, by the way. It's the earliest I've ever seen three. Uh, (laughs) Three. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're good. Uh, Um, but I'm looking at the way college football's landscape is changing. Um, college football's national championship is probably going to be played a week later. Now that we've got, uh, the new format, which is actually going to be voted on in seven days. Uh, will they go to the five seven format? All it takes is one person to vote no to keep it from happening, to to keep us in that six 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 power six at large hmm. with that one group of five uh, guarantee in there. And there's news on the college football playoff today too, and 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 some bigger stuff on on where I think college administrators want to take these national championships. Um, but we've seen now we've got college coaching changes in February. A head coach leaving to become an OC, Hawaii position coaches leaving for the NFL and for a Power 5 school in analyst positions, respectively. Um, It makes me wonder if it is practical to have spring ball this early. Um, Because when I think of you, you, you had to hire several coaches 
Dan Morrison, for example, you brought in Jeff Reinbold, you brought in a new defensive coordinator, and they were all officially named just days before spring practice actually started. And then you're dealing with changes with other people leaving. Um, You have your NIL day just a couple of days before that. It feels like the way the land. Uh, thank you. I'm You're sorry. welcome. That happens um, all the time, bro. You're good. It's <laughs> it, it seems that the way the college football landscape is that spring ball starting in January is not feasible uh, because you don't need this kind of undue stress. Because you might think about the stress from your your you know the coaching perspective. You think of, I'm sure this is stressful for Timmy. Um, you've got to deal with these coaching changes in the middle of and, and bringing in analysts and you know how you're going to fill you know, some of these other spots and all that stuff. But also, um, I think about the players who also have to sift through some of that too, um, you know, especially those who are part of spring ball for the first time, uh, those early enrollees, right? That it is, uh, it's a little much to throw on their plate when they're also adding in installation, and learning things about a particular system for a first time. That's a that's a lot to, to handle right there. It's it's certainly a lot to handle. And I think the number one reason why spring is this early is to account for injury. And one thing that I did notice today, there's a ton of guys on crutches. Ew. Now Ton might be an exaggeration a bit, but I counted more than two. Oh, dude, I counted like six. Okay, that's that's a ton. Six guys um, on crutches, and a few of those guys are are certainly look to to be borderline starters. Mm. Um, so, with that being the priority, I can't help but wonder if that was almost adjusted for the sake of of a few of these guys that were already injured and needing that time to recuperate. Yeah, but they they would have been out of spring would, already. If this, if so, this were later, they could yeah, possibly I'm, still I'm, get hurt I'm trying too. I'm trying to like play devil's advocate no, here. I know, I know. Um, you know, for the guys that got hurt in spring, that is that is the case that they're going to have what? If it's February, they they've got six and a half months before fall camp begins. Yeah. It's half the year. So that's certainly advantageous for us. But yeah, man, like a, a couple of those position groups, mainly the offensive line, not having a position coach that's over them right now, to me that's it's a little concerning because we need to figure out how to get our get our team blocked up to protect our quarterbacks, to open up holes for these new running backs that we're bringing in. That that's that's part of the puzzle that we need to fix. And that's the thing: uh, injuries happen. Um, you cannot schedule times where injuries might be better to deal with. Um, you know, someone they could, stink. They do. Um, someone could suffer an ACL injury, and it doesn't matter if it's January or March; they're still missing a lot of time. Uh, or January to February, like today, Appalachian State starting up spring practice. So, you know, uh, a, a bruise here, uh, a, a, a tweak here, fine. But it can still happen later. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, the, the, the amount of time difference for some might be uh, somewhat inconsequential. Um, but it, the, the, the bigger game here is not necessarily about 
um, you're, you're not thinking of like a game. Like I think of, and you could better tell me this. I, you know, when I think of thinking about injuries, I think about a week getting ready for practice where you're going to go hard on certain days. There are some days where you're going to take it light. You're going to have your walk through the day before, yep. you know, part of that is having the right amount of rest, limiting injuries in practice, all of that getting ready for a game. But I don't know that I take that mindset in spring ball, right? There's a there's a much larger game, like, like you were talking about, getting these running backs ready, getting your offensive line on the same page, understanding terminology, uh, which is a little bit different than preparing for Boise. And that and that's that, I guess that's why I kind of look at it, um, you know, a little bit differently. And I, I'd be interested to see if this is something that. While we're new in this phase of college football, I'm not used to Chip Kelly leaving in February for Ohio State. That maybe this is something that is addressed differently next year. Mm. In terms of timeline, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. We 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 did talk about spring ball being more on the internal side mm. of things. You're you're focusing way more on uh, team bonds. You're, you're focused on the scheme to be understood across the board um this is where you kind of experiment uh and and explore and then fall is usually whenever you refine mm -hmm. and and finalize so yeah I, I i think in certain certain areas man i'm stoked yeah qbs to receivers right now they look awesome really really good um defensive side of the football um, good communication being sent out to uh, some of those linebackers, even without Logan Taylor being out there who, who's injured. So I, I like that. And uh, kind of seeing the the way that Thurman coaches, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that kind of progresses He's and develops. He's our new defensive coordinator. Um, and in some ways, you know, the, the offense feels uh, a little bit, more calm on on that side of the ball where you've got I mean th there's no other word for it the, a football guru out there like Dan Morrison who just breathes football mm -hmm. breathes it and there's less pressure on Timmy to carry all of that load he's he uh coach Morrison is such a gift to to our team um, and so it, it definitely brings a different element out there and that, but still for an entire unit, you, you still need those guys that are focused on position groups like O-line texter from the seven, eight, one asks, uh, is one of the reasons UH is switching sw uh, spring practice to February or in this case, January, because the weather is cooler. Sounds smart to me. After all, it is uh, tropical Island college football, by the way, last year they did it because of the stadium improvements. That's right. I don't know this year. It was needed last year because yes. they, they had to make room for all of that. I don't know what the specifics are, um, though. I like your thought right there. I don't think the weather has been given that level of thought at all here. That's the cool thing about Hawaii is that the weather is pretty darn consistent. Yes. Um, outside the Manoa of, mist will show up whatever the Manoa mist shows up. That's right. Outside of the, uh, you know, a, you know, a tropical storm coming through, which usually happens in the fall for mm -hmm. us. Um, we're, we're banking on the weather being kind of, uh, a steady variable in the whole thing. 
Hey, uh, let's give away some baseball tickets. Hawaii and uh, Ole Miss coming up uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, We got a pair of tickets for each game or uh, or each date. So Friday, single game. Saturday, doubleheader. uh, Sunday, single game. And by the way, Saturday is a seven-inning game followed by a nine-inning game. So... We'll give away all that. Our uh, we'll, we'll go caller number four at 808-296-1420. Again, they'll score a pair of tickets to every game of the weekend series, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll have coverage Friday, uh, beginning uh, right after Sports Center, 6 p.m. here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll tell you who wins that coming up uh, after we tell you about uh, Call the Coach with Charlie Wade. Tonight, 6.30 ESPN Honolulu. It's a Tuesday night Call the Coach. At Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center. Talk ball with Coach Wade after two just impressive wins against uh, number five Stanford last week. Uh, Hawaii stays in the top three of the AVCA top 20. Uh, so uh, make sure you listen in. If you miss it, tomorrow at noon we'll have the replay for you of Call the Coach. Traffic coming up here in uh, 18 seconds. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Congrats to uh, Roland in Honolulu. Going to check out uh, uh, Rainbow Baseball this weekend. Hawaii and Ole Miss. Friday, 635 first pitch. Saturday, doubleheader. Seven-inning game, uh, 1235. Nine-inning game to follow after that. And then Sunday, uh, 105 first pitch to close out that uh, four-game series. Roland's going to check that out. Rainbow Wahine basketball tickets to give away uh, a a little bit later on. By the way, uh, Ole Miss announced uh, their projected Pitching rotation, JT Quinn, uh, a sophomore uh, who had uh, uh, 12 starts last year, expected to start opening night. Gunnar Dennis in game number two. Hawaii announced its starters for games one and two. Uh, Harrison Bodendorf will also be a sophomore this year. So a couple of sophomores on opening night. Uh, Bodendorf will start Friday night. Randy Abshire will go in game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, And in uh, perfect Rich Hill fashion, Whatever happens in those two games will help determine who pitches in the second game of the doubleheader and in game four on Sunday. Because, as Coach Hill always reminds us, every game is a game seven of the World Series. And so you uh, you manage as such. Although a guy like Alex Giroux uh, might be in uh, one of those spots potentially in games three and four. Um, in fact, as we see you guys on the phones here at 808-296-1420. Reminder, uh, so, uh, so game one Friday. Uh, I'll have pregame live from uh, from Goleta, uh, which is outside Santa Barbara. Um, and my conversation with Harrison Bodendorf is going to be coming up as part of uh, Rainbow Warrior Countdown presented by uh, Hawaiian Hardball. So uh, we got to chat earlier today. Um, do I have a, a tan, by the way? Have you noticed any kind of a tan on me? Um, I'm sorry. No, I don't. Okay, because um, we were in the sun for probably a good 30 minutes or so. Okay. And um, the, the the Portuguese olive skin coming through. Yeah. You, you would see the sun on me 100%. That is, that is true. Yeah. Um, so I, I was I was asking because I didn't know. Like, there was a point between interview sessions with uh, with with uh, Harrison Bodendorf and with uh, um, uh, Kyson Donahue. Everybody else went inside the dugout where there's shade 
and me and one of the other guys were just, you know, stupidly standing outside, just, you know, talking. We were talking about the Super Bowl. And I'm like, yeah, this is really hot. And just didn't really um, just move, just stayed there. Everybody else was smart. Uh, hey, Liz, is this Scott Robs or is this a different Scott? Do you know? There is a Scott who wants to ask a question about baseball. Scott, I got about a minute here. How are you? Sorry, I'm not Scott Robs. Sorry, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in Scott Robs withdrawal. I, you know, my, my partner for baseball, I'm going to have to wait another week. But anyway, go ahead. Um, what's, the, what's the break? How long is the break between the first and second game for the doubleheader? I think it's about 30 to 40 minutes. Okay, and then when is the next uh, coach's radio show? February 21st. I had to think about 21st or 22nd. It's a Wednesday, February 21st, 6 p.m. Uh, Mr. Ochi-san, uh, Neo, uh, Neo, uh, gosh, what, what is the word of it? Uh, what is the word? Neo Sushi and uh, Neo Bar and Sushi Restaurant. There we go. Well, looking forward to baseball and looking forward to it. Thanks. Awesome. Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you for calling in. Man, I my apologies to Mr. Oji-san. I couldn't get the last two words correctly. Mr. Oji-san's Neo Bar and Sushi Restaurant. I got it. Finally. There we go. But make sure you come by, though. It's off of uh, right off of King Street, uh, 6 p.m., uh, a week from uh, from tomorrow. It's uh, it's good fun. And uh, I, I, I got to eat off the sushi boat last week. Mm. Man. The sushi boat had like everything. You're getting me hungry, bro. In a boat. No. I hope I'm getting you hungry. In a boat. No, I mean, I, I, I realize that that sounds funny, but it's it's absolutely true. Uh, Sports Center traffic coming up next. You know, it's kind of interesting. People listen to this show. Um, confirm the things that we say on this show. Um, what did I say earlier? I think it was the the uh, four o'clock hour. Did I say uh, no three o'clock hour? I said uh, I don't use emojis, right? Because yeah. we were uh, we were talking about uh, Brandon Ayuk, and I said, "What, what is this? The uh, the the eye emoji or something?" Yeah, and I told you I don't use emojis. Someone confirmed that for you, huh? He did. Uh, our our guy Tiff Wells can confirm that Josh does not use emojis. Yeah, um, there. It, I am one of those people that I don't do emojis. I don't really even do like faces. Like even, you know how in, in the old days before emojis, like if you did a smiley face, it was the colon, then the right parentheses, right? Yeah. You, you might be, you might be too young to know that. Uh, even though you're like, what, seven years younger than me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might be too young to know that. Um, nowadays, cause nowadays for people, you do that, it auto corrects to an emoji. Um, yeah, I, I don't even do that. And if, and if any of that is very, 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 very rare, but I, I don't, I don't get involved in that game. It's not, not something I can do. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm appreciative that, uh, that Tiff confirmed that, uh, that I don't do that. Maybe that's, uh, is February too late for new year's resolutions? I mean, yeah, you, don't you said, get me started on resolutions you, with you, this show. You've said on many occasions that I help you have more fun. This is true. I think you should try to send texts with more emojis this year. That might be just one little quick way of taking a step in that direction. What direction is that? Uh, kind of being a little, a little rascally, a little fun. 
stirring it up a little bit. I don't know if I can go for that. I've got an emoji for that. Uh, of course you do. Mm-hmm. The little hmm guy as he's looking up to the upper right-hand corner. Uh, that, was, that was actually just um, uh, some people say that that's one of the funniest things in the show is when I say something and then you go, hmm. Oh, for, from me? Yes, oh. from you. <laughs> yeah. They say it's one of the, the, the funniest things this show has to offer every day. Is me saying, hmm. hmm. And, then, and then a couple <laughs> seconds of thought, and then you go into what you say. Um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. If, if I can't get what I'm trying to say across in just straight words, um, then I probably won't say it. Because like, we have interactions outside of the show every day. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything I would say to you or anything I have said to you or anything from this show that you would say would fit in an emoji? Um, I'm thinking of like more of a meme or a gif. Uh-huh. The, the Josh Pacheco face when he's confused slash a little bit upset, irritated <laughs> is this like contorted – Look up to the sky and his mouth is open. Like, and that's my what? That's my face. Uh huh. You, wow. You've done it on a handful of occasions. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I don't even. I don't even know my faces. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, of gifts, by the way, mm. I I want to say thank you to um, the great folks at Spectrum Sports. Okay. On Saturday, uh, Hawaii played UC Davis. Of course, Hawaii beat UC Davis on Saturday. And there was a play in that game in which a UC Davis player seemed to take an unintentional shot to um, the the nether regions of said player's body. The reaction to that incident was priceless. Mm. Now, this is happening on, on the side of the basket where the band is. And, you know, us media folks, we all sit in a condensed area now. We're to the right of the band, so we get to hear all the really good music, and me as a drummer gets to hear all the drummer's mistakes, uh, which is never fun because I'm too critical. But we're sitting there, and I'm, and I'm watching, and I see this guy go down to the ground, and I see his reaction, and it's like, <laughs> like something really went wrong. And so I put out a post, and I said, I'm pretty sure the folk at Spectrum Sports can make a, a, a gif out of uh, you know this particular incident. Um, so they did. Nice. They did. I took a screenshot of the gif. Giving the people what they want. Um, I didn't post the screenshot. I just I, I reposted their gif because they did the work and I don't I don't want to um, you know take credit for someone else's work. But I'm gonna show you what this is. Um, and, and I want you to describe what it is that I'm showing you, oh a picture of the GIF, uh, so that the audience has an idea. Here it is. Please describe to the audience oh what it is you are seeing. Oh, boy. All right. Um, got a UC Davis player wearing number 10 sitting in the lane. Leo DeBrule is his name. Okay, sitting in the lane of... Uh, the painted area on the floor. The painted area on the floor, and it looks like a Hawaii player is trying to help him up, but he is seated on the floor with his mouth open, and both hands are clutching, let's just call it his groin area. The pearls. The family jewels. Yeah. 
And Brother Man looks to be in some sort of uh, discomfort based off of the emotional uh, face. Mouth wide open like he just saw Chucky. Yeah, he's not he's not uh in a happy place. No, not at all. No. He he looks like he's scared out of his mind or makes the face of I'm not having kids. Exactly. Uh <laughs> the 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 face that you would make if you uh only you know what? I'm I'm, I'm gonna I enjoy this job. Self yeah, we're we're doing a lot of self censorship right yeah, now. I hope I, people I, understand. I went I definitely went through my own screen right there. <laughs> and then the next one it about went through and I, I decided not to swing at that pitch. I'm gonna give you one more okay. that uh that this looks like. Like a man on the Maury Povich show. Oh yeah. When Maury Povich opens the card and says You are Sonny. You are the father. Oh. And the face the the mouth opens up like no. And then and then some the the, the girl is like I told you. I told you I wasn't with no one else. No, that's Jerry Springer. Oh. That's worse. With Maury Povich, they don't have the the lady on there as well. Uh no, she's there, but it's not like it, it it's also not like scripted stupid fights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's just good old fashioned family trauma. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, people should go. Uh, it's on. Uh, it, it's on my ex account. I reposted it at, at uh, Josh on the radio on Saturday night. Uh, you can go find it there. Uh, it's not the screenshot, but it's the uh, the the video of the play. And uh, toward the very end, you see the player, and he's like, ah, like his uh, you know his voice probably went up two notches. And um, clearly in, in some kind of life moment that, uh, that this individual never get back, uh, I would uh, suggest you check it out so you can kind of understand what is hard to describe on the radio is a photo on a phone. Uh, so I, I, I hope you can totally understand. Uh, you can uh, get in touch with us. In fact, oh, we'll show Liz during the break. She can't see it. She feels like she's being left out of this conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll show you during the break. She appreciates it. She feels like, uh, we've, we've just kind of said, no, you don't matter here. Not the case. Um, we got a text in for you, Hunter oh, at, boy. uh, 808 296 No, it's, it's has nothing to do with your job, uh, or your ability to keep it based on how you self-censor yourself. Um, we were talking about spring practice and you had mentioned a couple of guys that are there that are uh, consulting right now. Dennis McKnight being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fa'avi is is the other one. And Craig asked the question, are consultants like McKnight allowed to directly coach the players? Do you know the answer to that? Because I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Mm. That's a great question, man. Uh, I think the safe answer would be kind of. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's that's a very gray area safe answer. And I mean, it's as gray as what do you consider a practice? What do you not consider a practice? Mm-hmm. What the do you rule, what do you consider coaching? Apparently, I guess I'm I'm going in and looking in uh, here. Analysts are not allowed to coach. Is my understanding? They cannot actively coach okay but th- that's what but i I'm think saying. that's more game situation not practice but i could be wrong so yeah within a practice environment where does the coaching start and where does it stop mm-hmm. okay so 
I'll give you, for instance, uh, let's say the ESPN Honolulu tent is over in the corner of spring practice and uh, a ball comes by our tent and a player comes by to retrieve the ball and Chris Hart tells them, hey, don't kick it around here anymore. Is he not coaching him to not kick the ball over there anymore? No. It's gray. That seems just more like... Uh, All right, uh, I'll rephrase it. Chris Chris Hart says, hey, when you kick the ball, you know, try to hold it going forward instead of (laughs) hold it going sideways. Yeah. Okay. That that gray area, even though he's not one of our coaches, that would be deemed as coaching in that moment right there. Mm -hmm. So college football is going to have to progress in so many new areas. If we're allowing players to be paid, if we're allowing them to be deemed as employees in certain places, that a court out on the East Coast ruled that Dartmouth basketball players are employees Employees, of their school now. So if you're going to do that, you have to throw out the entire old playbook with what is allowed to happen and what isn't allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to harp on University of Hawaii for having consultants communicate to players during a during a practice environment come on man like there there's i have issue with that okay here's um before you continue this is uh, uh, arizona state's compliance actually has something kind of cool on this um ncaa legislation permits institutions to use outside consultants for non-coaching tasks Teams risk exceeding countable coach limitations if outside consultants engage in coaching activities by doing any of the following. Um, Here you go. A, providing technical or tactical instruction to a student-athlete. B, making or assisting in making tactical decisions during on-court or on-field practice or competition. Or C, Recruiting off campus on behalf of whatever school you're working for. That's from uh, Arizona State's compliance. And the compliance office has to review all outside consultants. Coaches and staff members who want to use an outside consultant must complete a form and receive approval before they start working with uh, wherever it is that they're working for. So that, that that's the other thing right here where each school and their relationship with the compliance office is its own is its own relationship. Mm-hmm. But the compliance offices also do go by what the NCA kind of mandates down. The compliance office has to work through that to make sure their school is compliant with that. So the, the compliance is a middleman, essentially. But here's here's kind of what I'm thinking. And again, I'm I'm spitballing probably here. UH has a coaching shortage. Yep. They're now short two coaches um, because of the absences of Jacob Yoro and uh, and Roman Sapolu. Could you argue that you would not max out coach limitations if these consultants are being used in a short-term basis until coaches are actually found to fill those spots and then those consultants can no longer coach or give as they call it here technical or tactical instruction see that that to me 
Are, are, are you saying every time you bring an alumni around and you introduce them to your players and then they give them a pointer on how, how to throw the ball, a pointer on getting their eyes backside a little sooner, like the, you're, you're dipping your toe into a sea of gray. I think in, in I, I could be reading compliance wrong here, but what I think there would be a difference. Let's say if it's during a practice – like an official practice of a couple hours or whatever, then yeah, that could be potentially an issue because it is during um, your your hours that you have carved out for practice. And and I think you're supposed to have set amount of hours anyway, so they're keeping track of that. Um, if it's off to the side and you're working with someone someone one on one, it's not in a practice. It may be like a personal instruction um, that would not be considered like a team thing then that's probably fine. So I hear what you're saying on the 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 amount of time mm-hmm. allotted to practicing, but it goes well beyond that. Yeah. And that, that's where whenever we, we step into the world of making players employees, right. that they're really going to have to harp on. Because as a player, practice started, technically started at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But we had to be there as QBs to warm up by 6.30. Right. Which meant I'm walking on the field by 6.15. Mm-hmm. So wh- where does that start and where does it stop? And it's similar with communicating in that environment too. So th- th- I personally believe you got to have a certain amount of grace. So I would say in that case, if you're giving me that example, you're showing up at 6.15 – let, let's throw out hours for a moment. Let, let's let's forget that I said anything about hours. Okay, you're showing up at six fifteen to an official practice. Okay, so to you're you're showing up at a time where um, the team is officially supposed to be getting together. Mm-hmm. Um, if if let's say the team is departing, it is no longer a, a period of time where the team is required to be together, and someone comes over or you call someone over. And you're talking about something about you know your your uh, your, your your footwork or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I think if it's outside of a point in time where you are working with coaches or in an official like team setting, that sounds like it's okay. Because how do you then how do you then not call that like personal instruction? I mean, you can have coaches, but like I was talking with um, Harrison Bodendorf today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he has coaches, but in the summer he goes off. He's got a a, a, a teacher or instructor that he works with, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they consult during the season. It's probably not in person, but I'm sure there's some consultations going on there. Um, but it's of an individual nature. You couldn't really say, well, that person's not that person's uh, not consulting individually. Yeah, I just I I think it's too big of a thing. Like within the context of football, mm-hmm. you've got conversations being had all over the football field there's no way that can possibly ever be regulated impossible so i i hear that that's the rule i'm I'm just saying teams have to operate in the gray when you say they have to operate in the gray why do they have to operate in the gray because compliance is not out there and in this situation right now, UH has a coaching shortage. Practice has to continue. The old line needs to be coached up. Gray has to be pursued. 
we have to get better. That we've already we've already said that this is a make or break year for us. And I, I'm just going to be even more transparent. Okay. Compliance ain't out there. Who's going to tell them otherwise? True. We're out there at six in the morning. It's us as players. It's the coaches. The only other person out there is God. <laughs> Who's going to tell us otherwise? And if there's former players out there, hey, what's up, man? Hey, I've been seeing your release. Make sure you do this. next. Oh, awesome. I, didn't, I never thought about that. It's impossible to keep from happening. Impossible. Yeah, I I see where you're coming from with the operating the granite, and I know we got to hit this break here. I want to finish the thought on that because I could play devil's advocate on on that too. Um, this is really off the cuff, so I it, yeah. I, I, I I I can I see where you're coming from. I could also throw out the question of. You know, should you be able to operate in, you know, a shortage, even if it's not your fault? We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll think about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Let's get traffic here. Let's also remind people about Call the Coach with Charlie Wade, which is coming up tonight at 630 here on ESPN Honolulu with lots on Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. And, of course, a look to Hawaii's next matches. Uh, that's coming up tonight, 630 ESPN Honolulu. Uh, traffic here. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. We apologize. Nick DeLuca was on an extended bathroom break. <laughs> and uh, you'd have to listen very closely for him to say, I'm Nick DeLuca from the bathroom you, stall. You, you. <laughs> As it echoes in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, there's there's a way that I took that that uh, I wish I didn't. <laughs> To, to be to be very honest with you, uh, <laughs> another Sports Center update provided uh, that he is present uh, coming up at the top of the hour here on ESPN Honolulu. He's Hunter Hughes. I'm Josh Pacheco. Uh, Dan is calling in here. This uh, consultant stuff is taking a life of its own. Hi oh, there, boy. Dan. Yeah, you know what? I have a question. Um, are the consultants that UH has, like Dan Morrison? Well, he's not no, a consultant. No, he's a coach. Dan Morrison's a coach. So, okay, so are the consultants paid? Does UH pay them? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know the That's answer to that. That's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Because I would, yeah, I would think if they're getting paid, there's a difference, like, you know, and someone, a former athlete who's just giving pointers. I would think there's a difference there. That's all. All right, guys. Peace. Have a great one. Nah, peace. Appreciate it, Dan. Um, it's a good question. S- some of this stuff. Um, some of this stuff is. I'm making the peace sign yeah. to, to Liz in the other room, but she can't see us because the monitor's still dead, oh, yeah. so she has no idea. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. Liz, Liz deuced it up to us as well. Um, a lot of that stuff is just privy to the coaches mm-hmm. and how they want to handle business up top. Yeah. Um. Yeah, someone texted. I, I don't know if it was Dan who also texted. Are consultants in college football people who get paid for the services they provide? And if so, does that mean the people who are not paid would not be consultants? So you wouldn't really have to worry about the former player giving tips because that person wouldn't be getting paid something to think about. But then I think about that, um, and and I, maybe this is the devil's advocate side of me, but I think about that, and then I also think um, if you have somebody who's not being paid – how much should they be running a practice hmm. if they're if they're not being paid? So 
there's another side to that conversation. But during the break, this kind of took a side tangent. See, this is the fun thing about um, this show. You have a football player who's part of this show. You have a non-football player who's part of this show. Sometimes I feel like I get to to, to poke the bear a little bit of a Bears fan. Uh, that just happened. Um, and and kind of neat a little bit on the Hawaii football side just because it, it helps me gain knowledge a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but also like to kind of get in the mindset of someone who's been in it. Yeah. Someone who thinks so. Like we're we're talking about this whole thing, and 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 I know you're one of those people who are like, hey, um, you know, compliance step off. Yes. Um, but you said something I thought was interesting because, um, you know, Chris Vanini didn't from the Athletic didn't know that spring practice had started at Hawaii back on on January 29th. Yep. Um, he had to kind of correct his post that he posted earlier, and you were kind of like, oh, that's actually kind of good. I wish no one knew about it. I, I wanted to get into that a little bit because you're kind of like, oh, I, I like actually being uh, kind of under the radar. I absolutely love being under the radar. Um, I think first and foremost from a competitive standpoint, I don't like teams knowing what we're doing and how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hawaii has to kind of sneak up on some people. Um, and from a competitive standpoint, Hawaii – needs to find anything that they can within the confines of the rules, okay? I'm yeah. not saying that it's okay for them to just go ahead and disobey rules. I'm, I'm saying we we need every break that we can get in comparison to other what programs. other schools are able to luxuriously live in because of the resource that they're 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 kind of just bathed in so because of that hawaii has to fight in the trenches a little bit differently in the ways that they recruit in the ways that they coach in the ways they do things because of the circumstances and so with that as long as players are and this is me as a, a former player this is not me speaking as anything else from that as a former player i believe that compliance as long as players health wellness mental um, health, all of that is being taken into account. No, but no, no um, abuse is being made. The players are in a good place. If, um, if grades are in a good place and we're not raising eyebrows, stay out of our hair. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just share a quick story. Whenever I first made the team, okay. Whenever I first made the team under the Chow era, they sent me down to compliance to get onboarded as a student athlete at University of Hawaii. And I walked into compliance and one of the first questions they asked me was, what was your GPA in high school? And I said a three, seven, five, the lady across the counter laughed at me and said, huh? Yeah, we'll see about that. That was my first interaction with compliance. That's really strange. And then she looked up my transcript. Sure enough, three seven five. And then she apologized, which I give her credit for. Okay, good. But they are programmed to look for things like that instead of just taking things at face value. Now I, I had no other knowledge, no other experience with compliance until that moment, and from that moment on, I distrust them. That's just the way that. My experience uh, has has brought me to, to to that point, and that's understandable. Um, and so, with that, there there's Hawaii football is a beautiful thing, uh, j- just like in other places where 
alumni are around, former coaches are around. You, you mentioned the picture with um, uh, uh, Coach Rich Miano along yeah. with Coach McKnight and, and Ryan Bold. All those guys have decades of relationship together. Um, uh, Panay Pavi'i, my, my former teammate, he, he was out there today. Me and him are, are kicking it. And you just you, you have you have run in with, with with players. They 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 come by. They say what's up. They 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 dap you up. It's part of why we love coming to practice. Um, that's why I'm I'm saying, who really cares? Like who who really cares about some of those nitty gritty rules in uh-huh. light of everything else that's progressing in the game of football right now? Because it just doesn't seem all that relevant to me. I'll I'll take two things off of that. Okay. Um, one, y- y- your distrust of compliance is fair. Um, I think it's kind of shameful, and and you know I don't know the individual. If you do know the individual, you don't have to share it. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of shameful that someone would be like questioning your GPA, whether it is in jest or not in jest. I don't know. Um, but that is, that, that's a kind of unfortunate thing to happen, but I will defend compliance in one way. Um, their job in compliance is literally, um, to look for things that are, are, um, if if, if, their job is literally to look for things that are not compliant. That's why it's the compliance office. Like if you took everything in compliance for face value, then you don't have a compliance office. It might sound like kind of a reach. But that's that's they're programmed because that's literally the the job of compliance. And, and I will give them a break as well because the NCAA puts them in these positions that aren't always fair to them. Sure. Let's take away. Let's just take away football. Let's take away this whole, you know, uh, consultant thing for a moment. Okay. Let's just like throw that away. Um, the NCAA puts compliance in tough positions yep. because the NCAA has no enforcement unless compliance is there from these individual schools. The unless NCAA, they say something. Yeah, the NCAA has, does not have enough people to be like, hey, we heard something, we're going to investigate. They, they literally reply, uh, uh, respond to schools' compliance to then start the process on yep. things. I it's mean, like tattling on yourself, but literally that is their job. I mean, compliance has found a ton of stuff over the years, right? Uh-huh. Had compliance not come out, you know, the, the Penn State situation probably wouldn't have come out. Yeah. The 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 situation at Louisville with with Patino and his staff and that that whole deal so it, it has its purpose i'm not yeah. trying to throw the baby out no, with I the bathwater but for something completely in my mind minute they got to chill on you got to chill on i the other thing i was going to go in in on a little bit was when you were talking about how uh you kind of like being under the radar see i guess i i'm a little bit different I I like being recognized. Like I if you know if Chris Vanini were to have a couple of weeks ago said, um, "Hey, college football is starting. Hawaii started spring practice on January 29th. I would have said, "That's really cool. Like, look at us. We're usually the last game of the day on Saturdays. And how cool is it? We're the first in the nation to to have spring practice. And you know, hey." Our spring, you know, when's the spring game might be out there. There's you know potential interest in Hawaii just because, 
how the heck is spring ball happening during winter? January. Like, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it might sound minute there as well, but for a, a, a group of five program, whether you're winning or losing, I love national attention. I would, I would love because maybe it leads to something where some publication like, like the athletic is coming down and saying, Hey, we should go uh, do a piece on Hawaii because they're doing spring ball for the second time really, really early. Why? What's the advantages? How does it work? How do you navigate through that with uh, NLI day? Um, you know, it, it could it could make Hawaii a storyline in the country uh, of a program that may be ahead of other schools in some things or not. Like I, it, it may not be wins and losses, but little things that garner attention yeah. can be good things. And I want everything in front of a prospective student athlete that potentially tells them, Hey, Hawaii's doing something I actually kind of appreciate and like that they're doing. It might be small, but it might be the thing that sways me to go there. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, and I think it's it's coming from a couple of different directions, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> from a former player. Uh, I'd rather us be under the radar as much as possible. People don't know what we're doing. People don't know if we're big. Don't know if we're small. Don't know if we're uh, injury riddled uh all of those things uh my paranoid senses go <laughs> uh-huh. go a little off and I, yeah. i'm like don't come around us okay are these spring practices open to the public i don't because i haven't heard if they are or not i can't i can't so I, confirm I assume, or deny that i would assume at that point um it's usually fall i think is what is there's some days open to the public there's some days not so i'm I mean, imagining there, there, there are not. there are very few. I'm talking like maybe five mm-hmm. that I've I've seen just random individuals up in the the stands watching. Okay, so th- there are people that do come. I don't know if it's fully presented to everybody that it's it's it open. Sounds to like anyone. it's not. So, yeah, you know, with with that, I I'm not sure, um, and. I'm going to fight on the side that helps Hawaii win. Okay. <laughs> Every day of the week. Every day of the week, whatever we have to do to help them boys win, I'm on that side of the argument. You know, speaking of that, to change this uh, to, to change this subject and, and turn it on its head, um, finding ways to have advantages to have these teams win, uh, congratulations to the University of Hawaii today because they were able to unveil – uh, the 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 new training facility. Yes, and uh, that is that is such a big deal for this program. Super dope. Um, I, I wish I could have gotten to go. Uh, unfortunately, uh, mid management meetings uh, get get in the way of that. But um, how cool is that? Uh, I got to see some of the photos earlier. Looks like something that is uh, is a huge step up for Hawaii athletics. The Alexander C. Waterhouse Training Facility. Well done by UH. Well done. Looks awesome. Yep. Uh, I mean, that was going to be uh, uh, my final words. Oh, but shoot. I'm th- sorry. You're, you're good, man. We're, uh, they've like. <laughs> I've done it for the second consecutive th- that's day. That's okay. <laughs> it's, it's like double the size of what it used to be. Uh, branding everywhere. Mm-hmm. I Love see it. it. Um, on weights, on racks, on floors, on ceilings, on walls. You want that place dripping with Hawaii swag, and it is um, improvements, newer, 
uh, Boulder. They've got a whole section just for nutrition. They've got this uh, elevated kind of counter. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, granite countertop looking thing. No junk food there. No. Oh no no no. Nothing this, that I would eat is there. This is this is, this is supposed <laughs> to be Whole Foods esque yes. over there and, and organic or, or, only or, or down to earth. Um, the, and you might be wondering what, what what's the point? Well. Our athletes got to eat, and that's been a big source mm-hmm. of why we haven't been able to be competitive in years past. So them making a stride towards that means that they've been listening to the student-athletes, which I love. You know, credit into the interim. Like, Clum Gym was used for a long time, yep. and, and you got to credit a, a lot of people for how they had to adjust. And adapt. Yep. Exactly. That sometimes is not easy to do. And Clum Gym can be really, really hot. <laughs> Uh, you would know as the uh, small rim dunk champion there, um, but uh, <laughs> um, you know to be able to make those Proud adjustments. It, I know you are the banners. Still banners. Um, <laughs> to to be able to to work to that, um, you know, and put in the sweat to be ready for for this moment. Uh, that's that's uh, such a tip of the cap to everybody who's uh, who's worked hard to to get here and work in the interim. Uh, well done. Uh, final words coming up here in just a moment, including Hunter's improvised uh, final words. Uh, ESPN Honolulu is brought to you by Kahala. Upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. We'll also give away some women's basketball tickets. We got that to do during the break. Uh, in fact, you know what? We'll just do it now. Uh, we'll do caller number two. 808-296-1420. They'll score two tickets. Rainbow Wahine basketball coming up Thursday against Cal Poly. Big for Hawaii. They're still tied at the top of the Big West Conference standings. Uh, so we'll give those away, and we'll tell you who wins that coming up after traffic. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, congratulations to Ian in Honolulu. Ian's going to check out Rainbow Wahine basketball Thursday night. More stuff to win uh, tomorrow. Uh, the Bobby Curran Show along with Sports Animals in the Morning. And this very program, you'll be here. I'll be in uh, San Luis Obispo uh, tomorrow. A place that by law does not have drive throughs mm. Yeah. So uh, if you're going to be lazy enough to order be, to order fast food, then uh, you better be able to not be lazy to get off, get your butt off the car seat, walk into the restaurant and grab your grab your food. It's actually pretty smart. Uh, you know, make make you a workout even for your bad food. There you go. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? I, I learned that it was a couple of years ago. I was like, this is weird. Like, why is there, like, there's nowhere I can just, like, drive. I was feeling lazy. I, there's nowhere to, like, drive through and, like, just pick up something. There's no, like, McDonald's or something. And then last year I just looked it up because I was thinking the same thing. And I realized, oh, there's an ordinance that outlaws drive throughs So, like, there there are fast food places, but they don't have drive throughs You have to go in and order. Interesting. Yeah. For that area? Yeah, for that for for that county only, or not area that that not county that town only. Hmm. They so, want people walking. Yeah. So actually, you know what it does? Um, instead of make making me lazy, um, find new places to eat hmm. that are worth like driving to and walking in and and grabbing, exploring, um, ordering in advance. So I walk in and out, and I'm there in less than a minute. Like we've talked about before about how I like to do Starbucks mm-hmm. in and out, less than a minute. 
kind of treat that with uh, with, with food on the road. Uh, final words. Uh, you're up first, my friend. Uh, the football season is over, which means the uh, uh, the, the pigskin pick'em is over too. So oh, I, I would appreciate if you would refer to me as champ. Anything Pig- related to pigskin pick'em, you have to call me champ. ESPN Honolulu pigskin pick champion Hunter Hughes. There we go. Thank you. I wasn't going to bring this up, but you stole my final word. So I, I, I th- this was my, my, my next thing in the hopper. I'm going to assume I did not finish last. You're, you finished second. My man. Yes! We, we, strong representation from this show. From our, uh, I guess if you want to call it VIP, whatever. Just the, the people that are employed with ESPN Take that, Honolulu. Chris and Gary. It's... Uh, Myself, then you, then Mark Veneri, then Cole Malsoff, Kanoa Leahy, and then Rob DeMello. And then we're still going down yep. and down but, uh, and down. Uh, I, still finding Chris, still uh, finding yeah. Gary. They're down there. <laughs> um, we, I, uh, I had a win percentage of just under 60, which I'm okay with that's, that. That's good. That's good. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, I also realized I, I'm, I'm not a gambler. We've talked about that. Yeah. I might need to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, sixty um, percent is pretty good. I'd like to thank the fan vote uh, for, uh, for their great help in uh, in, Dude, in getting me to second from like place. The second half of the season, <laughs> I stopped submitting my picks. No, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> don't tell people that. I'm, I, I'm telling it because it's important just to register and then let the the system pick it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it does wonders. By the way, texter from the 781. Hey, Josh, if you got time, go to Pismo Beach. They got to have drive throughs there near that great beach. I did stay at Pismo Beach last year. There's a hotel with the Panera next to it, mm. which I don't believe had a drive through. Um, I do believe good. that one does have a drive through because there was a Starbucks drive through, which I sat in while I waited for my hotel room for like three hours. <laughs> um, but I know there's a Starbucks drive through. So Pismo Beach, yes. San Luis Obispo. No, but that's like a 20-minute drive. Do I really want to make that 20-minute drive just for a drive-thru? No, that's even lazier than what I talked about earlier. On that note, second place sounds really nice. There you go. This show is the show of champions and runners-up. I'll see you on the road, bud. Uh, Have fun here tomorrow. Uh, Coming up next, it is game night, followed by Call the Coach with Charlie Wade on ESPN Honolulu.